Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellino. I'm happy to be here for another week talking some New Hampshire high school football. Uh, once again, along with me is Mike Lockman, longtime football coach in the state of New Hampshire. Mike, thanks again for uh, for joining us for yeah. what will be one last time this season I know. Uh, as we get what uh, finally into championship week here. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everyone, uh, we record the show on Tuesdays, Riverside Barbecue in Nashua. Uh, you can be a part of the show by e emailing us at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. There's one, one more week. We'll have a wrap-up show next week. Uh, you can come down and listen to us live if you like. show is available every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com and also on iTunes. And don't forget, uh, I want to mention. make sure I mention this, you have a few more weeks to grab a copy of the 2017 nh-highschoolsports.com football yearbook. Uh, if you're a player or a fan or a coach of any of the teams playing in the finals this weekend, or even if you're not, uh, you're going to want to reserve a copy of this. Just go to nh-highschoolsports.com, click on the link at the top of the page, and uh, you can pre-order your copy today. Coach, uh Geez, what, what an interesting, again, another interesting weekend. Uh, some things that happened we thought might happen. Some things that happened that we really didn't think were going to happen. And yeah, and now we're set. We've got our six championship teams. Yeah, and, and I think it was, you know, the, the really telling thing was that you didn't have any um, any lopsided scores, at least not that I recall. I mean, I think some of the Division three scores the ended D3 up. The games were a little, yeah. Yeah, later on, in the they got, they got kind of into blowouts in the second half. yeah. Yeah. But your Division um, one and two games were all pretty exciting um, stuff. So, you know, it, it, it does – it's a good testament to the right teams got there. And, and there were some good competitive games that were really entertaining. So, yeah, lots to talk about. Of course, we were both uh, – made the trip out to Hampton uh, for that Winnicunit Goffstown semifinal in Division one. Uh, of course, Winnicunit won that 21-6. to On the other side, you had Pinkerton, uh, you know, Handing Salem its first loss of the season, 45-28. Those two, uh, Pinkerton and Winnicott, I mean, will be uh, meeting in the final on Saturday in Division One. Uh, Pinkerton, it's the first time since 2014 that they've made the final. Yeah. But something like the 11th time in the last 14, 15 years, something like that. Um, Certainly familiar territory <laughs> for Brian O'Reilly. For him. Yeah. For his players, uh, not so much. Yep. Um, and then you've got Winnicott that, you know, hadn't made the Division One playoffs, um, you know, since th since this reformatting in 2013. First time this year, they're 11-0, got a shot to go undefeated, uh, looking for their first championship since they won D2 back in 2012. Yep. Um, let's talk first about how they got there. And, and, and Winnicott, I think – it starts with their defense. Uh, yes. Just, I mean, Goffstown couldn't breathe, uh, you know, against them. They got a couple plays here and there, including that the, the, the one touchdown. But, I mean, really, it felt like for large stretches, like they just, they couldn't do anything. Yeah. They hit a they hit that, that a really nice long pass to, I think it was Duval, um, that was sort of a fingertip catch, and he just sort of outran the, the field to the end zone. That surprised, I mean, I, I was stunned. I, like, didn't, I think I was, you know, writing something down about the last touchdown that Winnicott had just scored. Yeah, and all, and then of, all of a sudden, it's boom. Duvall's in the end yeah. zone, right? So you know, and it was a it was a great play because it it it, it gave you some hope for the idea that um, you know that 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 Goffstown could quickly get back in that game. It, it, it felt like it was going to be a defensive struggle, and that maybe they found their big play capability. But um, yeah, the you know we knew the Winnicott defense was good. We knew they were particularly good against 
very good offenses in the season bedford exeter these other teams but um and, and goffstown in the regular season but they were stifling and goffstown did a lot of really i thought good creative things to move duval around try to get him involved in different ways even on the special teams they were running uh like kind of a dealer kick return that's their, that's their normal kickoff is return. it okay yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I love yeah. that by the way we we've run that in years that i've which, coached which i i mean it didn't end up uh hurting when it kind of in any way um why teams still kick off to them knowing that that's what they're going to do yeah and i mean i i mean i guess if if it's not a good kick i mean uh, those were a lot of those were shorter kickoffs yeah if it's a deep kick then forget it that's i mean that's going for a touchdown right especially if they get it to duval with all that confusion and that was one of the reasons we actually had gotten away from it was because nobody would kick to us after that right it was always sort of a bouncing thing and you say well we're wasting practice time on this but um <laughs> but uh but th- you know it, w- it was a really good game it, it 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 definitely showcased something that you don't get showcased a lot of i think um lately in new hampshire football which is which is defense. Really, both of those teams played excellent right. defense. Yeah. They really did. The, the Winnicunit defense uh, is obviously very good, but the Goffstown defense did a really good job. I think the first series, Winnicunit moved the ball really down well down the left hash. And then after that, you could tell that the Goffstown um, defensive front sort of got the feel for the pace and the, and the quickness of how that Veer offense hits. They did a pretty good job. They did a nice job on the passing game. Um, it was one of those games, I guess, at, at, at the you know at the end, somebody was going to have to win, and it ended up being Winnicott. Yeah, that opening drive uh, for Winnicott, they went 66 yards, or s- yeah, 66 yards and 10 plays, uh, and then the rest of the first half, they had, I want to say, 43 yards total. Yeah. Um, and that included the second half. I think they had five yards, no first downs. So Goffstown really kept themselves in that game with the defense. Yes. You know, the only problem was this. I mean, they went, if you go back to the regular season game, they had one first down in the second half of that game. They went the entire first quarter with no first downs. They didn't get their first first down against Winnicott until I want to say like six minutes were left in the first half. Yeah. In total, in in two games against them this year, they had nine first downs and 336 yards. I, I mean, that's that's totals for them for a game, maybe even sometimes a half. Yeah. You know, when it, a couple years ago when they were un, you know the undefeated champs in, in D1. Yeah. Uh, you know, to do put up those numbers in in two full games against the team is just, I mean that, it, it was a great matchup for Winnicott. Goffstown was a very good football team this year. You know, the slimmest of margins sometimes. If Bedford somehow pulls out that game uh, against Winnicott in the quarterfinals, yeah. You know, they had chances to. They were up late. They went for two on that last touchdown in overtime. Then this is a Bedford Goffstown semifinal in yep. Goffstown. You got to think that Goffstown's the favorite to win that. Yep, very different. Situation. We're talking about a Pinkerton Goffstown championship game instead of a Winnicott uh, Pinkerton game. Yep. Yeah, it was, and and Winnicott's margin of error in some of these regular season games that have led to them being, what is it, eleven and zero now, right? Yeah, uh, it's very similar, right? The the they were in very tight games. You know, you and I were talking before we kicked the show off about the. Um, um, the Bedford regular season game that was sort of a last minute win. I mean, I- and to be undefeated, a lot of times something's got some yeah. things have to go. Obviously, break your way. Yeah, the ball has to roll the right way sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the other side of that, the other undefeated team in D one, um, not their week. Clearly, uh, Salem, you know, going down forty five twenty eight at home against Pinkerton. Uh, you know, their first loss of the season. Uh, I believe the fewest points they'd scored this year. 
um, pr- most points they'd given up, that 45. Uh, of course, Pinkerton had a defensive touchdown in there. Uh, Salem playing without, you know, Josh Sabanda. Um, you know, guys like Adam Maroon, Matt Soldano, um, they stepped up, yep. tried to carry the load there for a little while in the second half. It looked like they were going to get back into it. I think they were down, you know, 31-13 at halftime, came back and made it 31-28. But, you know, sometimes when you're in that big of a hole, there's only so much you're going to be able to do. And and sometimes just getting back even takes everything out of you, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's only so much gas you have in the tank. Um, You know, it's funny. We talked about the ball rolling the right way um, a couple times for Winnicott. Figuratively, I mean, literally, the ball rolled the right way for Pinkerton a couple times. They they scored a a defensive touchdown. Um, I forget the young man's name, but he was the center. The uh, offensive center and defensive Josh linebacker. McCormick, yeah. He, he had actually two touchdowns. Two, two fumble recoveries yeah. for a touchdown. One was on offense and one was on defense, right. yeah. So certainly, you know, the ball kind of bounced the right way for Pinkerton there, and that's not to take away from Pinkerton what they did because I think there were times where Pinkerton was, was solidly in control of that game. But um, but but I think, I think that those sort of chancy-type things also uh, often dictate um, the outcome of a football game. Not having... Um, Josh Sabanda, um, th- that had to hurt, right? I mean, again, you you had said earlier, you know, he's not know, a defensive so player. You still got to stop him. Up. Yeah, yeah, you do have to stop him. And I, and I got to figure, you know, maybe Salem's got more than 13 points in the first half. I mean, Pinkerton did do a pretty good job of, of slowing down Salem for most of a half in the regular season with Sabanda out there. But, I mean... You got to think that they're. I mean, they hadn't given up that many points to anybody all year. I, that's kind of what stands out to me more that Pinkerton scored forty-five points against Salem. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is interesting because Salem's defense was was pretty good. It may not be a Winnicott defense, but it, they were they played good defense this year. Um, but you know what we expected also kind of happened that I, I thought in ways as best they could. I thought the other players um, on Salem stepped up in the absence of. Um, Sabanda, right? Um, Soldano had a relatively good game. Um, I thought that Adam Maroon, I think, is the is it's the brother yeah, who yeah. rushed for almost a hundred yards. Yeah. Um, he had a couple runs that that were pretty um, pretty explosive. It looked like he was doing a good job pounding the ball for the most part and got some work done. Um, but it just wasn't enough. And Pinkerton has, as we talked about last week, has gotten better each week. I think particularly defensively. Um, so that matchup. <laughs> Which I'm sure you want what, to talk yeah, about. It's yeah. going to be an interesting. I, I mean, one. what? I mean, what stands out to me, or or the first thing I look at is, of course, Winnicott's defense, which just absolutely shut down the run against Goffstown. However, you know, Pinkerton's got a few more kids that can run the ball than Goffstown does. Um, you know, they there's Ty Hicks, Terrell Hicks, Gannon Fast. Yep. Uh, now I'm now I'm drawn. I, I, I yeah. There's one or two little bit more momentum in there. Lost in. my momentum. I now I'm running out of names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's a couple um, other kids in the future yeah. that are pretty good. There's I at least probably six different guys that yep. can carry the ball. Um, you know, and I'd say especially Ty Hicks. I mean, he, you know, of course Goffstown has Andrew Duval, who is a you know playmaker, but yes. not from really from the running back position. You know, uh, that side of the the division kind of you know. Where was the kid like Ty Hicks that you would point to that, that, that maybe Winnicott has faced this year? There really wasn't one. Right. Um, you know, how, are the, how is the defense going to be able to slow down a guy who, when you have him boxed in, 
maybe can get out of it, yeah. you know, or who just makes people miss. Um, you know, that's one of the key matchups, I think, for me going into this game. The other one is, you know, what does what does Winna kind of do against Pinkerton on offense? You know, they don't throw the ball as much as maybe some of the other teams that Pinkerton has seen this year, and I think that might be the strength of Pinkerton's defense is it's secondary. Yep. How does that kind of play out, too? It really is an interesting matchup. I think I think the thing that, that impressed me the most about Winnicunnet offensively is the patience and the dedication they have to that, that veer option that they run out of split backs, right? It, it's, you know, there was a, a couple few times they ended up um, in the shotgun of down and distance dictated it. Um, but for the most part, they were very content to run inside and outside veer, which is, for listeners, kind of an option game um, where the quarterback reads a down defender and it hits very quickly. And they're very patient. It seemed to me like they, uh, contrary to a lot of offensive football lately, although Bill Ball would probably argue with you, right, but they were very patient and very happy to get three, four yards a pop. And they didn't deviate from that very much. And that was that was the story of their success. Um so, so defensively, Pinkerton matching up against that will be interesting. Do they choose to play um, very disciplined and sort of solid against that, or do they take some risks? I think on the flip side of that, you made a really good point about Winnicunnet's matchup against Pinkerton offense, which I don't think that Winnicunnet has faced an offense quite like Pinkerton has, uh, both technically, like from a schematic point of view, and just from a personnel point of view. Um, certainly, Goffstown's offense very different. Uh, Goffstown, you know, Bedford's a team that can put up points. Central puts up points, but they're all, you know, uh, spread offenses or pass first kind of offenses. Yeah, yeah. Pinkerton, that's not Pinkerton. Pinkerton's a very varied, uh, very uh, what, what what coaches would call series based type of offense, which is okay, fine. If you're going to take this away, we have a complementary play that we can catch you on to do that. So, um, so it'll be interesting for the when it kind of players to see. I'm sure the coaches will have a great plan, but how well they execute that against um, all the different very good weapons that Pinkerton has is going to be really cool to watch, I think. Yeah, it should be, uh, you know, and, and we were we were talking about this beforehand too. The weather for Saturday is looking kind of yeah. iffy. Um, you know, highs, I think, in the low to mid-40s, late rain in the day. Of course, this the D- D1 game kicking off at 6 o'clock or close to 6 o'clock. Um but, you know, I think this is maybe the first year that the games have been at UNH that there isn't a D1 team that's going to look to really throw the ball. That I mean, both of these teams, I don't think the weather is really going to affect them much. Actually, right. all you know, you look at all three games, and, and honestly, the team that might throw the ball the most is, is Plymouth. Yeah. Who would ever think that? Right. Um, so, I mean, even despite what could be a rainy day, you know, it, it could be um, – it might not have as much of a factor as you would expect. Yeah, although to be honest with you, I, if there is a, a weather problem, which it doesn't sound – it sounds like it might just be unpleasant, but it doesn't sound like it would be a major weather. But I would give the edge um, there to Pinkerton because I do know that Winnicott's offense is, requires a lot of tricky ball handling. And, y- you know, you don't want to put the ball on the turf running a read option right. um, yeah. type of offense. So – um, whereas Pinkerton is, is all called stuff. I mean, for the most part, right? They're going to hand the ball off to the right guy, given what they're seeing. So it's a minor edge, but if you were asking me what's the bad weather edge, I would give it to the Pinkerton offense um, versus the Winnicott offense, which has to be a little bit more careful about how they handle the football. You know, in uh, 
Division Two, we've got our uh, second ever rematch I, since the uh, since 2013 and the reformat. Um, it's been the only division where there's been a rematch. Um, of course, you had Wyndham and St. Thomas playing two years in a row, 20, yep. 2014, 2015. Now we've got Plymouth and Bow Part 2. Yep. Uh, or I guess you could really say Part 4 because, of course, they've played each other in the regular season the last two years as well. So far, Plymouth has won all three of those games. They got there by beating St. Thomas 21-7 to last week. Bow goes on the road, knocks off another undefeated team, beating Hanover 19-7. to um, you know, I, I'm, I, I was thinking about it, and I guess unless – I know they – what, they had a three-class format back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, you know, unless it happened there, they they got to be, what, the first eight seed to make a state final in New Hampshire? Yeah, not only are they an eighth seed, but if you recall to some of the conversations we had back in week seven, eight, nine, They were a hair from no, not yeah. – yeah. I mean, yeah. Pelham uh, – the, the, the resurgence of Pelham at the end of the season there, if I believe if Sauhegan if, if wins and Hollis, yeah, yeah. Bo was on the outside looking in and Pelham uh, would have been in the first It would have been close, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, one of those one things. of those three, Hollis, Pelham, and Bo would have not been in. Yeah. yeah. So there was a chance that Bo would have been on uh, the team that has beaten two undefeated Division two teams in the playoffs would have been on the outside looking in. And now you have an eighth seed going to play the one seed their third in a row undefeated, undefeated team. team. <laughs> I, I, it's, I, unpleas- it's unprecedented, right? It is, right? Um, and I think, I mean, you look, you, I mean, you look at what happened last year, and of course, Bo was the unknown moving up to vi- from Division Three. They gave Plymouth a hell of a game in that final, um, but you know, you look at what hap- what's happened this year, and and. In, I guess two weeks ago I would have said no way. Now you know, Bo got blown out by Plymouth during the regular season. I know it was the score was closer, but you know that was a, a running time game in the second half. Yep. Um, you know, Plymouth has been doing that to everybody, and Bo. I mean, I I saw them late in the year against John Stark, and they they really struggled to to get put you know put consistent drives together in that game. Yep. But I mean. It really doesn't seem to matter now. Um, no. And, I mean, at what point are we going to stop underestimating them, I guess? Yeah, you asked that question last week, and it was, it w- you know, it was like, who would have expected, you would have never expected them to go into Wyndham's house in the quarterfinal and pull off what they pulled off. Hanover, you could argue, even though Hanover was undefeated, and I've, I've been saying since last year, was a re- is a really quality team, right? I mean, everything that I had ever seen on film of them was just solid at every position. No, no superstar type they, stuff, but solid. They were probably one of the best defensive teams in the state this year. Really yeah. good, right? Really good team. I mean, then now you, you've knocked off your second undefeated team in a row, and I would still guess that the quote unquote experts, which I guess includes <laughs> you and I at this point, I would still guess that if you had to put down on paper who you were picking for that game. It still wouldn't I, be both. I, I mean, which it's, I, I'm kind of thinking is crazy. <laughs> it, it <laughs> might, it might be, but I just think Plymouth is, is just that good. Yeah. I, I mean, they are. I've had them in my in the top of my power poll. I think from, maybe not from the beginning of the season, but at least you know week two or week three. Yeah. And I, I fully think they belong there. I, oh, you definitely. know, I mean, could they have competed over the course of a Division One season? Probably not. But in one game. You know, yeah. would I would I put them up against you know Winnicott or yeah. Pinkerton? Yeah, maybe. I, I I mean maybe nine times out of ten they they don't win that game, but 
you know, maybe that maybe that tenth one is is the one that you get. Yeah. Um, and and Plymouth is a pretty rugged team too. I mean, from you know, we talked a lot about Plymouth last week, talking about the um, the quarterfinal game uh, against Sauhegan, but um, I was was really impressed with them. Um, you know, because it, it, they're not just that sort of like stereotypical just pound it out thing and they're going to ha- make homer the ball 30 times that's not what they do they're actually they've got some speed they've got a really good um you know i had all the names last week of course <laughs> i can't remember them now but they, they've got a really good wide out who also plays defensive back that we were sort of debating about how they might match him up against bouchard which i mean he had a very pedestrian game yeah uh for st thomas last i think he had 60 yards rushing uh, oh, and yeah, then one yeah. of those other guys you did mention, Nolan Farina, had a huge, yep. huge game defensively. Uh, three picks, returned one for a touchdown. Yeah, he's a f- tremendous athlete. I mean, they, they have these, they have athletes. So they have, as rugged as they are, um, and I think they're rugged, right? You've, you've got the Garrett Makehomer type guys, and they have a very good front in terms of their line and their defense. But then they've got these athletes that could play on the more flashy type of offensive schemes like 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 a St. Thomas or like a Goffstown, right? I mean, there's kids on on Plymouth's, you know, quote unquote ground and pound type roster that they they would be starters on a on a on a flashy sort of uh run and shoot type team like a Hollis or or a Goffstown or a Central or whatever. I mean, so they're loaded. Um and I don't know much about the Bow roster, but what Bow has accomplished it just leads me to believe this is going to be a really well, good they, game. They do. I mean, their quarterback, Matt, Matt Harkins, was here last year. You know, he played in this game as a junior. He's a senior now. You know, they don't throw the ball a lot. Um, you They've know, been they effective ask him, when they do, yeah, though. They, they ask him to be a bit of a game manager, yep. I think. Um, and when he's, you know, when he's had to make plays throwing in the playoffs, he's made them. Yep. Uh, Jack Corvo has been a you know solid player both sides of the ball for him. You know, I think he kind of – led the way in that game last week against Hanover, um, like I said, on both sides, uh, running the ball and also, you know, playing some defense. Yeah. Um, and, and outside of that, I mean, you know, uh, Ben Kimball, I think, is another running back for them, you know, who's had some pretty good moments this year. Um, you know, I think he scored a touchdown last week against Hanover. But, you know, they, they're they kind of a no-name group, it feels like. Yeah. Um, you know, they're some of the big-name guys that were there last year. Uh, of course, now I'm drawing a blank on the one I was thinking of was the big tight end. Um, I know who you're talking about, uh, too. But, I mean, you yeah. know, g- those kind of guys uh, aren't there. But, you know, the c- I think the foundation is still there. The coaching staff, Paul Cohen, is, is one of the, the best ones in the state, I believe. Um, you know, I kind of probably – he'll tell you it's probably no surprise to them that they're at this point. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, maybe in hindsight – it shouldn't be a surprise to us. Yeah, um, especially with what they had coming back, probably, yeah. um, and the success they had last year. But, you know, to me, the matchup's intriguing because Bo and Plymouth are both um, the type of teams in, 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 in recent sort of football that are more uncommon than common. I think they're built around defense, discipline, solid run game, and, and the ability to throw the ball if and when you have to and be good at it. Which sort of sounds like description of, of football from 10, 15 years ago. I, it's near and dear to my heart. I like that kind of football. I respect it a lot. It's what I tried to uh, do and to very degrees of success when I, when I was in, in, in place. But um, to me, I love watching two tight, well-disciplined, 
physical teams gutting it out for the ultimate prize in New Hampshire. And I think that's really what we ended up with in Division Two. You could argue that the St. Thomas-Plymouth game on paper may have really been the championship game, and that was the two best teams. But you know what? We can't think that way anymore, not just because of the outcome, but because of what Bo really has accomplished to this point. You've got to respect Bo. You know, and over the course of the last four years of, of this three-division format, this has been the, the best game of the bunch, you know, uh, traditionally um, tr- or, or on average. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at the four games, the two finals before this, um, none decided by more than 10 points. Um, you know, Plymouth beat Portsmouth the first year, 21-14. Uh, Wyndham beat St. Thomas 38-28 the next year. And that one, Good they game. needed to come back. I, yep. mean, I remember Wyndham got up big early. St. Thomas came back. They might have even taken the lead. I think they did. And then Wyndham had to come back. Yeah, it was a classic. Yeah, it great was a good game. game. And then the next year, uh, kind of a snooze fest, at least in my opinion, 10-6, St. Thomas beats Wyndham. Yeah. And then last year you had Plymouth winning over Bow 27-24. Um, you know, so maybe, maybe we'll get another game like that. Again on Saturday. Uh, one game, though, that I think, you know, you and I and maybe a lot of other football fans in the state are are just salivating over is the D3 game. Yeah. Monadnock, Campbell, you know, two teams that are both 10-0, and 0, two teams that score a ton of points, two teams that don't allow points. Give up nothing. I, I mean, I, I was out at Campbell yesterday to talk to Greg Gush and, and, and some of their seniors, and I asked all of them, what gives? What What's the difference in this game? Like, is it going to be? What kind of game is it going to be? And they all thought it's going to be a very low-scoring game. Yep. Do you think the same? It's hard to say. It's hard to say with the way that, especially Campbell has put up points this year. Um, it's it's the uh, irresistible force meets the immovable object sort of thing, right? I mean, that's why this game has is so intriguing. Uh, um, you know, we were sort of. Uh, you and I both were maybe perhaps a little bit off in, our, in terms of our predictions for the finals. But these were two teams, I think, in week one where I said, you know, these might be the two best teams in Division Three. Um, I'm thinking it will be a low-scoring game um, because I think, I think job one and philosophy one for both of these teams this year has been physicality. And that usually manifests itself in two ways, offensive line and team defense. And both of these teams play very good in both of those aspects. So, to me, that's the matchup. It's it's the physicality of each of these teams. They go about their business in different ways, but philosophically, they're very mu- very similar this season. Um, and they've both gotten to this point through very similar routes, meaning they've essentially annihilated everybody in their path. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, it'll be it'll be perhaps the first test. For either of these teams as well, which in itself is kind of an intriguing story because, um, you know, they've they've gone the season sort of able to get the subs in by the end of the third quarter or whatever it may they be. They might actually have to play a full game. They're going to have week. to play yeah. a full game against each of, other. Uh, you know, who you know, wonder maybe a little bit if the endurance is there. Yeah. Um, crazy as that may sound, it, yeah. it, but it's absolutely true. It's who's got the will, who's been better conditioned. Maybe, maybe this goes back to your off-season weight room kind of stuff. Yeah, um, because it, 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 I think it's going to be that heavyweight prize fight where you know it's like in the Rocky movies where they're just toe to toe and punching each other. There's really no strategy anymore. Uh, not to not to say that there's no strategy in the football game, but I mean, I think it's going to come down to the physicality and the will. 
because those are the type of teams that these guys are. They're not going to try to outmaneuver one another. I believe, um, if I'm remembering correctly, this will be the the second championship game. You know, since we again, since we switched to this format where you've got two undefeated teams meeting each other at the end of the season. Of course, the previous one was Pinkerton Bedford uh, a couple of years ago in Division One. Yep. Um, and that game turned out to be a uh, just. A, a very one-sided affair. Of course, Bedford at that point down their starting quarterback. Actually, for a while there, they were down to their third-string quarterback yep. in that game. I remember. Um, you know, this one, it, it sounds like everybody's, you know, as healthy as they're going to be on either side. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, this the way these two teams play, too, this game could be over an hour and a half. Right, <laughs> right. Not a whole you know, lot not, of messing no, around. No, no messing around. They're just going to get out there and they're going to play. Um, you know, uh, the thing that I've been – kind of impressed with 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 Campbell this year um you know and 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 coach Gush has said it a couple times when I you know I've talked to him was just um you know that they they are now more of a uh, in the past they had you know kind of had to hope that it was nice weather this time of year Mm -hmm. they're more of a finesse team yes where this year they're a they're a, a you know any kind of weather team yeah um you know and that goes with being more of a a run heavy team in the single wing for that team to add that, you know, going into this season, for them to realize, you know, I think it was probably like late June, um, this is what we have, this is the offense that's going to fit us. And, I mean, they run it almost to perfection, yeah. I mean, at least when I've seen them. Um, that just, uh, that to me is very impressive, that, that they were able to turn that around that quickly. It really is. I I, um, I, I, I talk a little bit with Coach Gush. We know each other from having scrimmaged uh, each other, and we're actually uh, colleagues uh, at work. So get a chance, not not too much, but to interface a little bit. And I know that um, Campbell's goal from Coach's leadership standpoint this season was to come in and sort of challenge the perception of what Campbell football was all about, right? Everybody's, you know, hey, everybody sort of looks as us as, as a finesse team and, 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 and so on and so forth. And I think they wanted to create an identity that was much more physical, blue collar, you know, lunch pail and hard hat go to work. And I, I don't know what they did. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> but they really made that transformation yeah. because they they have gotten work done um, in, in really the, the grandest of ways in terms of just um, w- what you said. Right. It would uh, catering to what they felt like they needed to do to maximize their uh, the impact of the type of talent that they had. And so it's clear that not only did they make the transformation successfully, but they sold it to the to the players in such a way that the players were like, hey, look, I don't know. I don't care about what's what's sexy and what isn't in terms of what we run. We're out there to win games as a team. And so if that means that we're going to hand the ball off 30 times a game, that's that's okay with me. Mm -hmm. And they sold that concept to that team, meaning the coaching staff sold that concept to that team. That's a big part of what coaching's all about. Is is do you get those guys to believe that to buy in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, well, that the team victories are more important than how many touches a kid gets, or are we throwing the ball more than we're we're running it, or whatever, right? Um, so hats off to them. Uh, you're absolutely right. They've got a great group of seniors over there, which I think that probably makes it a whole lot easier to mm-hmm. to do that kind of thing. Of it course, does. And on the other side with Monadnock, I mean, this is where we thought they would be last year when they you know come down to Division Three, steamroll everybody up until the semifinals when they get Stevens and yeah. Stevens comes in and you know 
shocks everyone, I think, maybe other than every people in Claremont. Yeah. Um, you know, and then they go on into the final and, and knock off Interlakes. Um, so Manadnock, first-year coach, and, and Ryan Avery, who um, has been around the program, but you know, first year in charge this this year. Yep. Um, you know, it's got to feel great for them to, to be at this point. It's got to be. You got to think one. They're motivated by unfinished business, which I'm sure they've been talking about since the loss in last year's semifinal. Mm-hmm. Um, two, Coach Avery. From what I've seen, little I've seen with Manadnock, it, it, it doesn't look like they did a whole lot different than what Coach Patnode was doing. So, so if, in another words, it's not broken. Right. Yeah. You know, they they've been able to carry over the system and avoid. You know, sometimes you have that year of a hangover in terms of a new coach with new terminology and new way, new approaches to things, um, and it's really paid off. I, I can tell you from experience there that many years in a row, either scrimmaging uh, in the preseason or or outright playing against Manadoc. We used to open against them when I was at Sauhegan, um, and I mean this with respect. They are the nastiest, most physical, just single-minded guys that i've ever played again we we would scrimmage them with some of our best teams that i had at hollis um not me personally i was an assistant on the staff but um you know teams where we would go down we beat memorial one year mm-hmm. and they kicked our tails in scrimmages physically um think about the playoff team that we had at Sauhegan in 2015 it was we were loaded and it took a fumble recovery on the last play right. of the game yep. by nick Trushan. Uh, to stop them from scoring it, I mean, it w- and it was really just a, like a like a God sent lucky play. I mean, they they know how to win games. That that whole culture out there, um, they're very physical. They're not all about sexiness and stats. They just want to pound your face. <laughs> and and, I, and like I said, I say uh, that with respect. Yeah. They're good at it. So I'm really interested to see um, how how that matchup goes. It's going to be a great game. And they uh, they of course like like Winnicott kind of in the final for the first time since 2012. Yep. Back when they won what was Division Five uh, over Summersworth. Yep. So their first taste at this, uh, you know, and and I'm sure it'll be. I've never actually been to Monadnock for a game. Um, I can't imagine it's much different than Campbell. Um, you know, maybe they do. They have stands. They have a minute. really nice facility. They, actually, they have got lights and, uh, and and a really good um, home side stands. They're actually it's actually pretty pretty, pretty nice. good. I'll have yeah. to make the trip out there soon yeah. next year. Yeah, um, they do a nice job. The field is very nice. I, I actually really like. Uh, aside from the ride and it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was one thing that the Campbell kids said to me yesterday that I I was kind of uh, struck by. You know, was that they're they're going from a feet playing on a field with no bleachers, yeah. no stands. To, to that stage, a thirteen thousand seat yeah. stadium. Yeah. Um. You know, and again, I you know, hearing that kind of you know, it reminds you why. I I have my reasons for wanting these games at UNH. I want to be able to see all the championship games. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to provide the coverage of it. You yeah. know, I want people to come to my website, and you know, be able to read about everything that happens. Yeah. You don't have to pick I, and choose. I have yet to figure out how to get myself into three places at the same time. Yeah. So. Until that de- that happens, if you can patent that you'll be all right. This is what I this is what I prefer, so that yeah. I can provide this stuff. Yeah. For that, but that really struck me. You know, this is another reason. You know, this is why we're doing it. You know, they do it for the kids. Yeah. Is to get the opportunity. I mean, th- most of these kids aren't going to go and play. You know, co- they might go play college football. They're the not playing college school. football on this stage. Right. Um, right. You know, it's really a, a a special opportunity for them. As it should be. The amount of things that you have to do right. 
you know, both both personally in terms of your preparation, uh, and then as a team together and sticking together, uh, and, and in in all the weight room stuff that you do, you can't underestimate that. I know a lot of fans look at it and they're just like, oh, it's like watching football on TV, you know, but it's really not for high school kids who are doing the the studying and all the social things, the girlfriend thing, and all that stuff you're trying to balance, and the home thing, to put the effort and energy and time into getting to this point. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's kids who will go their whole career, uh, you know, th- from Pop Warner through, that will never play in a championship game. There's coaches who could go their whole career and never have experienced a championship game. So th- it's, it's, it's a special moment. Uh, for everybody, it's awesome that they get to experience it at, that, at a beautiful place uh, like the the new UNH facility, and it's awesome that you know you get to see the you get to see all of it as a fan or as a member of the media. You don't have to you don't have to pick and choose where you go and hope the hell that you get to a, the, a good game, the best game of the day. Yeah, you get to see yeah. them all. You get to see all those kids who deserve the attention and and um, and, and accolades and, and mention on the site and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 such a good thing. I hope that. The NHIA and the and the and the school continue to facilitate this because it's awesome. It's a great weekend, and and they've done it. Started to do it with a lot of other sports too. I mean, basketball has always been that way. Um, you know, they kind of I shouldn't say always been that way, but bo- you know, boys basketball D one and D two is always at UNH. Um, yep. They kind of scatter the other ones a little bit. Um, you know, then you look at lacrosse. They combined those a couple years boys lacrosse a couple years ago yep. all at Exeter on one day. Uh, D1 and 2 softball, baseball, they've started doing it a little bit more. Um, you know, and it really is, it, it, it makes it for a fun day. If you're you're a fan yep. of the sport, or again, like if you're like me and, you know, want to write about all these, want to watch these games, you know, what it, it's a long day, but yep. it's, it's a fun long day. And it and it makes for, the, for that team, that coaching staff, the, pl- the individual player, it's kind of the crown jewel of that journey, right? You, you say to yourself, you know, there's the hot times in June and July where you're stuck in the weight room or the times in August where you're running and grinding through double sessions or whatever it might be. You say, what, what am I doing this for, right? That's what you're doing it for. How awesome is it to play on that stage in front of all those people that are cheering for you or against you, you know, and that, and that emotion that you get out of it? I don't know, man. I, I, I get excited about it. I'm I'm uh, I'm actually really looking forward to it. It should be a really really fun day. I sure hope so. Yeah. Uh, of course, yeah, you can check out uh, coverage from all three games uh, on Saturday at nh-highschoolsports.com. I will be taking in all three of them. Get you plenty of photos, stories, videos from all of it. Um, yeah, and then then after that, we're, we'll wrap up next week, and um, you got the Thanksgiving game actually Wednesday night between North and South. Um, you got West and Central, West and Central on, Thursday. on, on yep. Thanksgiving, uh, and hard to believe that is the end of the football season. Uh, Coach, uh, I want to say thank you again for doing this all year. Um, you know, greatly appreciate it, and it's been a lot of fun. It has. Uh, thank you. I uh, it scratched the itch a little bit. I'll, I'll t- I, you know, I can talk football with anybody at any point, but this has been a lot of fun, so yeah. I appreciate it. Now, thanks again for uh, for doing that, and of course, thanks to. Dave and Riverside for having us. Uh, For Mike, I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks for listening.